You are listening to the weekly Great Governance Podcast hosted by Dr. Harlan. So why do we do what we do? We are on a mission to find and voice the hidden stories of excellence in local government so that others are motivated to lead and transform communities. We share information and profile local government practitioners and active citizens who are ethically leading change and innovation in communities and showcase this on our various digital media platforms. So today we travel to the Northern Cape and we travel to the Hunter Municipality. And with me on this platform this morning, we've got the acting municipal manager, Samantha Titus, and uh, CFO Werner Jonker. Good morning, colleagues. Good morning, Dr. Harlan. Good morning, Dr. Harlan. Thank you very much for joining us. Just by way of introduction, uh, MM Acting MM, you can go first. Tell us about yourself and your journey into local government and then uh, CFO, you can then follow. Harlan, yes. My name is Samantha Tatastaitis. I'm in local government since 2008 when I joined the ZFM District Municipality as a housing manager. I've been a housing manager from 2008 up to 2016. And in that few years, I was seconded to a number of municipalities to act as either municipal manager or director. So I was at your Khatalopele municipality as an acting MM, um, at the Taigarit municipality as an acting director, corporate services. And then I was an acting municipal manager at the Namakoi municipality, where I was appointed on the 1st of January 2016 as a municipal manager. I was there until last year, March, when my contract came to an end, and I started here in October as acting municipal manager, seconded by Coxter to Hunter Municipality. So that, in a nutshell, is my journey. So if I listen to you, you you like the fixer of local government, it seems, where there's a where there's trouble, <laughs> they uh, send you in. Yes, I've been at a lot of problematic municipalities, you can say so, Alan. So, yeah, the okay. MEC keeps on sending me to help. Okay, CFO and your journey into local government? Thank you, Doctor. Um, yeah, I started 2003 as an intern at the municipality, at the same ZF that MM is, was alluding to. At uh, that time, it was still known as Seanda District Municipality. We were there for three years. Um, we were on that program, the financial management grant, where they want to put financial officials who studied um, in the program and to go into the local government. Then, uh, while I was there, I had encounters with a lot of guys from PwC. And then, then I was like, maybe I should see if I cannot go into PwC and to go and further my studies, further my knowledge in finance as well as in local government, because they had a section there that deals specifically with local government. Where I started there for two years in 2006 uh, to 2008, December. And then the 1st of January, while I was doing this, sometimes I feel like I want to learn more. And then I uh, say that, okay, maybe I should go and study to become a CA. And then I I started the articles in 2009 for four years to 2013. Mm. And that's what I'm going to talk about PwC for then. Then I will work there for a couple of years. And then I started seeing myself going further now into local government and the Richtersfeld municipality in Port Nolo appointed me as the accountant. Uh, you call it today the BTO, the budget and treasury officer. And there's where I started in 2015 and then 2017, Anta So from intern to CFO, that has been quite a journey. You can say that, yes. It's absorbing and it 
took a while to get where I am today. No, but well done. Congratulations. Colleagues, tell us about your municipality. You're not a very big municipality. You're situated in the Northern Cape, in Calvinia to be exact, where all the meat comes from. But uh, just, just tell us about the municipality, how many people and the geographic area. Hunter municipality has about 20,000 uh, residents. Our dem- demographic is about 36,128 square kilometers, uh, which includes now Calvinia, Lurisfontein, Brandflay, Nivoldville, some small villages uh, such as Middlepost and uh, in Swartko. So yeah, our most of our attractions uh, in year time, when it comes to August, is our rainy season now. Mm. Most of the attractions you get, it's uh, our Nivoldville, especially the Nivoldville area. Yeah, by August, September, you know you when you get the Namakula and Blomikis, we also get that. And uh, it's quite beautiful to see. And I know that it attracts a lot of tourism within yeah. within the municipality. So um, you can say that almost say 60% of, of our demographics, you can call it them indigent. So uh, there's not a lot of work probably here. And the main working area is agriculture. Mm. And so now it's quite struggling now with all that we are going through as a municipality and to make sure that we make the the funds to go forward so uh, as you know and i think you know that our our farmers are also struggling to put everything for us there i want to focus on the financial performance the auditor general uh, singled you out as one of the municipalities that have actually managed to turn your situation around in the last five years and you've managed to sustain good financial governance so this is a knowledge sharing platform how did you manage bernard to get this right, to turn the situation around. You know, five years ago, uh, things didn't look too good, but you've managed to actually keep your good track record in terms of financial governance. Doctor, yes, I, I think the first thing is probably leadership. And when the leadership is, uh, for instance, if you have uh, a stable council, if you have a uh, management team that, that supports each other. So that's probably one of the things. And then when we came here in 2017, yeah, it was a lot of, you know, it's new people coming here. You must know your employees uh, and you must just start to work hard and get yourself a plan where you want to be. Mm. So myself and municipal manager said we want to, by this time and this time, we want to have a better audit outcome of this municipality. We managed to every year, the AG did allude to us that we did improve every year mm. uh, from 17, 18 and up to where we are now. So I think... Hard work, dedication is is probably your most important rule to have to make sure that we get here. And hardworking of your employees, and because without our employees, we we are nothing. Okay, so you say it's a plan and leadership. If we talk about leadership, are we talking about political and administrative leadership? Correct, yeah. Remember, you must have a stable council mm. so that they trust you as your management team to make sure that the services are delivered and that the financial management is up to standard. So if I'm of the opinion that the council don't trust you, then I don't know how we're going to go forward because that means they won't trust your judgment if you want to, to say that is how we're going to take this place forward. So the last five years, was the council stable? In other words, there was there was one political party in charge? Uh, yeah, we had uh, in the previous uh, administration, it was ANC and the DA. It's the only the two. The ANC was uh, the majority and everything went good, but there was cohesion with each other. Uh-huh. Uh, and thus we could have made everything go forward. So there has to be a sense of political maturity, you would say, between the political parties, because at local government level, it's about delivering services to the people, irrespective. Correct, correct. 
So if you look at the last five years, what what would you say are the secrets of your success? I know you mentioned hard work and commitment, but what are the, some of the other elements that attributed to this turnaround in the last five years? I always say that the the people you employ is probably the most... Most critical. Yeah, that takes you forward. And uh, I'm not saying we, as a Antam, we, we actually prouded ourselves in appointing people that did have the knowledge, that did have the qualifications to make sure that we are going through. We have a lot of middle management that has degrees. So uh, we, as the municipality, also went on a journey to take some of the employees and let them go get advanced diplomas in where they studied at UWC. A lot of guys, about 15 of our, of our employees, uh, and two of them did their honors. So which at the end of the day makes people think, yo, uh, they can study, go further with their studies here. So I think that was the key drivers for us to make sure that we can turn, because then you will have people that know what they are talking about. And that's that. Okay. Amen. Alan, if I can come in, yeah. I just want to add, for someone that hasn't been here for, for long, but it's also coming from other municipalities, the one thing that I found refreshing at Huntam is the SOPs. They've got excellent systems of operation uh, in place, which means that there's checks and balances for everything, uh, you know, so um, if someone do make a mistake, there's someone that is going to pick that up. Uh, and then, yes, I think the recognition that workers are getting from communities, from the council, from politicians, are inspiring them to do better. You know, the, the morale of workers at some of our institutions are very low mm. because very few people get opportunities to study. Very few people get exposed to training. Um, and as a teacher from years back, I think Antem has recognized the value of, of education and training people and ensuring that we keep up to date with current legislation and, and you know, what's happening in the local government fraternity. So they, they really do have a vigorous oversight over systems of operations um, okay. and even other issues like the performance management, the risk management. Uh, you know, these things are taken seriously. It's not an issue of just compliance tick, tick boxes. It's actually a system that is used to develop and ensure that people grow in this institution. Imam, thanks for coming in there. I wanted to come back to you in terms of the leadership question. You know, the model sometimes in, in local government of leadership is that of fear. Uh, what have been the secrets of your success? You know, that we we sometimes treat leaders as, I must be afraid of a person. Here's Imam, no Imam. I must almost bow down in front of you and say, here is leadership. I must now uh, bow down. What have been some of your Alan, secrets? As a, one of the few women in this fraternity, I've learned very early in my local government life that if you have to instill fear, then you are not managing an institution. Um, I had a, a discussion with Werner the other day and I said to him, you know, Werner, you have reached the stage of managing an institution when you are not around and people still do what they have to do. Um, we cannot always be in the office looking after staff to do. But if you empower everybody to do what they're supposed to do and you show them that you trust them with little things, you know, little things that they might not have thought they would be able to do, you're building their the confidence and you're also giving them a sense of responsibility. And, you know, at the beginning, it might be very difficult because, you know, people have different views on things. But, um, you know, if you lead with fear and people have to obey you by everything, once you're not gone, there's chaos all over the, the institution. 
And, and I think, you know, having a staff that takes responsibility for the jobs that they have to do, Holland, is, is one thing that has helped this institution to be stable. Yes, political stability um, is, is, is huge. And you would know that now Antam is a coalition government. So, yes, it's, it's got its own challenges. And I pray to the Lord that government soon finds a legal framework for this coalition so that municipalities' political leadership cannot be so fluid because it affects decision-making and it can have huge impacts. Uh, And you can ask me, I'm coming from a lot of them, wherever I seem to be, there's coalitions also. So um, I'm just saying that we were lucky that the coalition that we have here is not that fluid. It's it's quite stable. Um, And our council is a council that operates on consensus rather than than my way or your way. Yeah. So it has helped the administration to, to, to maintain a good governance structure because meetings takes place, um, compliance are met because the council knows its responsibility. And that is critical for an institution because if you do not comply, then you cannot get clean audits. Yeah. I, I want to come back to that political admin interface in a lot of municipalities. That's where the trouble starts, you know, where the politicians don't trust the management. How have you managed yourself and Vera managed to be professional, you know, to say you're not, we're not political animals. We are professional. And how did you manage to get the respect of the of the politicians? Holland, I believe there's a misconception, or maybe it's because we see only the, the sad stories and the bad stories on television. But this institution has got a lot of mature counselors, um, a, a few young people that are still learning the ropes. But in essence, I think they understand their responsibility is about communities and not about themselves. So it wasn't really something that we had to do. I think uh, we are in the lucky position that the council understands their responsibility um, and therefore the execution part of the administration is so much easier. Um, and I think what the government did with inducing councillors, taking them through an induction program, making sure that they understand the laws of, of local government, making sure that they understand their roles and responsibilities has helped this institution tremendously. Okay. So there's no issue of confusion of roles and responsibilities here. Okay. The AG also pointed out, although not uh, the amount is not that big, but, but you still use consultants. Do you have a plan to eventually phase out the use of consultants internally? Uh, doctor, yes. Uh, council approved a, they call it the consulting reduction strategy from something like that plan, mm. where you have to start with that. We only use consultants for the unbundling of our infrastructure assets. That's a huge uh, calculation to do uh, and uh, exercise to do, which we don't have the professionals okay. in the municipality to do that. So that's the reason. And then we try to put uh, this knowledge into our employees so that they can start doing these things on their own. But sometimes it's unfortunate that we have to have them just to make sure that we go forward. Because like I said, the consultants we use is only for serious, very technical um, services. Okay. I like what you said there, that, that you have a consultant reduction strategy, because if, it, if it's not written down a strategy, then it will be forever be a moving target. So, and, you've, and I think you've answered that already by saying that uh, you're sending people on training uh, on, a, on a regular basis also to touch the institutions. Correct, yeah. 
Okay, final question. You know, uh, you have you have managed success in your municipality through hard work, discipline, the lifelong learning, if I can summarize. What would be the core message that you have for other municipalities struggling to get this right? Uh, MM from your side and then CFO from your side. Harlan, I think for me, very important is that the institution belongs to, to all of us, the council, the staff and the community. Secondly, a happy staff, Harlan, uh, produces good results. So invest in your staff, make sure that they have the necessary skills, make sure that they feel valued and that you give them praises where praises are due. A lower morale staff cannot deliver a good product. So uh, once you realize the value that you have in your institution and you build the capacity in the institution, it can only reap good fruits. And then, um, you know, you must value what you have. Very few uh, institutions have the ability to keep staff. So when you have good people like your CFOs that, you know, that are scarce skills, you must do all in your power to retain them. And then, Alan, on a political level, I just want to say, please develop legislation that governs coalitions because if you would, if you if you look at all the coalition municipalities, we have challenges in, in the political administration of the institution. Mm. And it, it infiltrates the administration and destabilizes. So, you know, uh, once you have a stable council that understands their roles and responsibilities, you have an administration that is well-oiled, people get trained regularly, uh, you know, upskilled. You have a winning recipe. And then, like, you have a CFO that sticks to the rules. <laughs> yeah. It's as simple as that, you say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and many sleepless nights will Werner add. Yeah. Yeah, MM is eating the nail right in the head, doctor. But I'm also thinking that sometimes us as municipalities uh, has a silo effect that we're doing. So we do just do things here. That one does things there and that one does things there. We don't integrate with each other and ask, what do you do great? What do that I can implement on my side? And that's probably where our the intergovernmental relations comes in so that we have to share best practice with each other. But I think the thing was that you will look like, a, if you don't know thing, it will look like, why are you, you there? Because how can you be this if you're not, if you don't know that? Yeah. So, uh, and, and sharing best practices is probably one of the things that does empower every one of us, especially if you're in a district. So that knowledge sharing with other municipalities then becomes crucial. Yes. Hmm. Correct. Okay. Well, it's a final question. I know I said that was a final question, you know, but, you know, how do you keep the corruption devil away from the door? I mean, municipality, if you say corruption, a lot of people say, but all municipalities are corrupt. What have you done to keep the corruption devil away? We try to change our committee so that you don't make people vulnerable, you know. If you have the same committee over and over again, chances are that contractors and consultants might influence the the set committee. So from time to time, we change our committees and then we try at all not to interfere in the processes. Um, so whatever the, the process is that needs to be followed, it gets followed. Um, and all in anything is reported to council. Um, so, yeah, it's like you said, I'm very skeptic about this corruption because corruption doesn't necessarily have a name. Mm -hmm. No, it's just said in general that municipalities are corrupt. I think um, at some point we must also unpack this corruption, Alan, because I've got a different view. You know, um, sometimes we need to do things at the spur of the moment. It's recorded as fruitless and unauthorized. 
And once it hits the public face, it is perceived as corruption. Um, and people don't always understand what it means. Um, I always fight with the Auditor General about that because I think um, the picture that they're painting about municipalities isn't always fair. Uh, once you get an understanding of what is it that composites this fruitless and wasteful expenditure, you might get a picture of a municipality that is actually rendering services at, in difficult circumstances. So all I, I want to say is on, uh, we are very lucky in that our staff understand the consequences of it. Our doors are open for, for interrogation. So if at any time there's something that the walks wants to investigate, um, we don't hide anything. We throw our doors open to them so they can come and check. We're only human. We can also make mistakes. But I think the biggest thing is that we have our committee system. We stick to the supply chain regulations um, and try to keep things um, in line with that regulation. Our, our committees operate, uh, because we're a small municipality, we get assistance from the district in our adjudication committee, for instance. So there's another level of oversight, if I might say, even at that level now, um, that help us not to make huge mistakes with tenders. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Active MM. Any, anything you'd like to add, Werner? Um, no, doctor, uh, it's fine. MM said everything. Okay. Uh, it's just, in, and so specifically, and everyone is is held accountable if they do something. Okay. So uh, that's that's probably one of the biggest things that, so we know that if you do something, you are accountable. Not that you throw them to the wolves, but you must understand why you're doing things. And there is consequence. Yes. Correct. Consequence yeah. management. Correct. Colleagues, thank you so much for your time. I hope to visit you one of these uh, good days. Uh, thank you for being a shining light in the Northern Cape and for being an example of good governance, clean governance and great governance. Thank you so much for your time and your commitment. Thanks for having us, Alan. I thank hope you. we'll thank see you. the podcast. Blessings to you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. To the amazing and talented great governance team, The Voice, Mpumilani, and producer Al Ontong, respect and love. Keep the faith and let's work to make South Africa great right where we are. If you loved what you heard, subscribe to our Great Governance podcast that is available free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And of course, also on our HRD Governance Facebook page. And don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend about us. Listen to learn.